0: 3010 The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Before them, dark forces came behind. To the left and right, the desert brought panic to their minds. The evil of that hour was stronger than the sun that beat on them with nowhere. Bye. told its finest lies making all the darker pleasures so pleasant to my eyes I knew a lack of praise had led me to that hour standing there surrounded by sin power yet the terror of those moments began to fade away as my heart recalled God's mercies are all new every day and my spirit took its armor as my lips took up the sword light broke through the darkness a mighty salvation from our God.
1: The Red Sea has parted for Pilgrim's Progress. Today I want to tell you that all of the monies necessary to cover the radio bill for the month of January have been deposited. The monies became available as I returned from a week of prayer, fasting, waiting before the Lord. And I'm rejoicing that the Red Sea parted and that January is covered. I'm standing by faith for February. I know the Lord has ordered this broadcast, and the Red Sea will part, and he will open a way where there is absolutely no way. In the human realm, there is no way to continue this radio broadcast. But I stand by faith. I don't waver. Jesus will open the way. And I want to thank each one of you who gave for last month's radio bill. I can only say thank you, and I've done that in the prayer closet for each of you, and I've asked the Lord to bless you abundantly because of your generous giving to the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Now some of you have asked, what did the Lord say to you last week? he said something very important to me. He said, do not be afraid. You are now in a transition time. And I know that to be true. We're in a transition time for this radio broadcast because I know Jesus wants to move us to the FM dial. It's a much larger congregation or audience that would be reached by this message and I know that this message of holiness, unvarnished holiness, purity, righteousness, I know that message of repentance has to go to Washington DC and so I'm standing by faith for that opening. He said don't be afraid you're in transition. I know I'm also right in the midst of transition with the National Prayer Chapel. We need a place to meet. We need to have the opportunity to invite the city. I'm just standing by faith that the National Prayer Chapel will no longer be a house church, but will have a place to meet. Would you pray with me about that? I did come back from this time of fasting and prayer and waiting before the Lord with a real sense of urgency. He said one more thing to me. It was not in words. It came as just a deep inner sense, knowing that I have preached over the last months righteousness, and purity, and revival. But I now need to change my focus. I need to go back, and I need to preach again the old messages of repentance, of getting your life right with God. And so that's what I'm going to do. I know it's not a popular message, In fact, I know it's very unpopular. But I'm trusting Jesus to carry us and to move in your heart, to call you into a deep place of the Spirit, to call you into a place where you can pray. I'm very conscious of how difficult it is for the American church of us to pray. Oh, we can say short little prayers. They might even sound good. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I'm talking about the kind of prayer where you are knowing that you are touching the throne of God, that you are in the throne room of the Most High God, and you are on your face in that throne room, and you stay there until you have prayed through and have the victory. I have been greatly ashamed and sorrowful about the lack of prayer in our lives. This song, and then the Red Sea parted, did you hear the words? This condition of blockage has come because of the lack of prayer. I've been with Christians even very recently, and instead of praying, they sit in silence. There is not a flowing of the heart toward God. There is self-consciousness. Self-consciousness is a form of idolatry where everything is framed in terms of my life and how this will influence or impact my success or failure, how this will move me forward toward my goals. That's idolatry. And frankly, today in our culture, we are in an idolatrous culture and in an idolatrous church. I don't mean to be offensive, But I need to be very forthright with you today about the number one problem that is facing the evangelical church, yea, the entire church in America, whether liberal or conservative. I spoke with a, a dear brother, a friend, someone I treasure, Pastor Jim Kerwin. He's headed on Thursday... On a mission trip, I wanted to know if he had the finances to go, and he's still short, probably $200. I'm very concerned about that. But I said to him, there is a major problem, and the problem is the majority of Christians in America, so-called, have never been born from above. They're still flesh Christians, still self-concerned, still walking in the ways of their own heart. And he just said, that's the greatest problem facing the Christian church in America. I agree with you. It's almost like the invisible elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. It's the lack of power. It's the lack of fervency in prayer. It's the lack of searching after the ways of God. It's not knowing the way of the Lord. I entitled this broadcast today, Do You Know the Way of the Lord? I know there has to be a significant change in our lives and we're going to have to learn how to pray. I began to list for myself the various concerns that are on my heart. Number one, my dear brother, Ed Pugh. He just retired from work after 37 years, he has been giving probably 20 hours a week in the editing of broadcasts, in the uploading them, in preparing the broadcasts after I have finished speaking. Dear Brother Ed became very ill. He's hospitalized. I'm very concerned for him. I'm concerned for him because now, not only is his life threatened, his wife, his family are all desperately concerned. I've been crying out to the Lord for my precious brother Ed. I'm very concerned for him, for his life. I'm concerned because I no longer have the ability to post podcasts. On the web page, I can't put up any new broadcasts. Now, one dear brother, an engineer, who's a member of our congregation, has gone on vacation. He'll be gone all next week. When he returns, he said he'd be happy to begin Researching to find how to post those new broadcasts. So hopefully they will be finally posted, but right now I don't have that ability. So I'm concerned about my brother Ed and his recovery, and I'm concerned about the listeners who trust and go to that broadcast by the hundreds all over the world. So I'm praying about that. I'm very concerned about finances for the church and I'm very concerned about finances for radio both are far short of what we need I'm very concerned about about you about your spiritual journey about the casualness of your life about the need for an intensity of the Spirit to indwell your heart, to cause you to seek after Jesus and to cry aloud in prayer. I'm very concerned about the church's inability to pray, to just flow in the Spirit, to just flow with cries and agonies for things to change and the devil to be defeated and set back. I'm, I'm desperately concerned about America about Washington, D.C., about our president, about the Congress. I'm concerned about the corruption in our government. I'm very concerned about the governor of the state of Virginia. He is an extremely wicked man. He favors taking a baby after it is born and leaving it in a place where it's cared for and comfortable while the mother decides if she wants to have the baby killed. He's in favor of that. He's publicly stated that. And he's a pediatrician by, by background and training. I could go on. I have a whole list of things. And this morning as I sat before the Lord, I said, Lord, how do I even begin to pray about these things. I'd have to stop doing everything for weeks just to address in prayer these many, many issues that are weighing so heavily upon my heart for God's people. I used last week to intercede and to cry aloud for all of these issues and many more. but I know my prayer in the coming weeks is going to consume me I'm going to do this broadcast I'm going to lead the Sunday worship of which you're welcome to come just google National Prayer Chapel and a map will come up with location and we meet from 10 until noon every Sunday and you're welcome to come going to be bold hungry people if you're going to come to a home but it's it's not my home it's the lord's home it's the lord's house and you're welcome to come there's plenty of room for you but i'm going to give myself to prayer to intercession i urge you to do the same So I'm going to do this broadcast. I'm going to do Sunday worship and I'm going to minister to those the Lord directly sends me to minister to like Brother Ed and his family. But I'm going to be in the prayer closet day and night crying out to the Lord. I pray that God will teach us his ways. That he'll show us. That a great longing for Jesus will be implanted in us by the Holy Spirit. That we will not be satisfied with the casual, we will not be satisfied with the mundane, but our hearts will become on fire. Hungry, searching after Jesus. Now, the great problem we're facing, and I'm going to be covering this in the coming broadcast, is that many of you listening don't sense the urgency of the hour. Let me describe some of the urgency of the hour. We are having diseases break out in China, that are now beginning to spread the, this coronavirus. It's going to take the lives of many, many people. This is a very, very serious disease created in the weapons lab of China. It's a man-made virus. We face even potential martial law in America then we have the wild weather one place had the wind in California on the top of a mountain blowing over 200 miles an hour we have floods we have tornadoes Volcanoes, volcanoes. We have every kind of crazy weather. We have plagues hitting very poor nations in Africa, now into China, with plagues of biblical proportion, 40 miles across, for these insects that are devouring the farmlands. You understand what that means? Millions of people are going to die of starvation. There's no way the world can feed them. And then you look at America and you see the heartland has been destroyed. The crops are destroyed in the heartland of America. How are we going to feed ourselves? We live in a desperately serious time. Then we have wars. And rumors of war, rumors of war with Russia, prophets saying Russia is going to hit us with an atomic weapon and take out Miami, New York, Seattle, L.A., San Diego, Washington, D.C. And then we have great increase in homelessness, In all of my life, I've never seen so many tragedies happening all at the same time. And yet, we seem to be able to just go along and get along. Because it's not us. But it will be. If we don't pray, how are you going to stand? When the grocery stores are stripped of groceries and there's no more water to be had, And there are no masks that can be found, how are you going to live? We live in a desperately, desperately wicked and dangerous time. And if ever there was a time to know the ways of the Lord, today is that day. Today is the day when we need to understand that we must be born from above. And that this is not some little psychological deal or some intellectual deal. This is, this is honestly coming and repenting of all of my sin. Every known sin must be repented of. It must be confessed before Almighty God. We have to be transparent before Him and before each other and confess every wickedness. Then we have to begin walking in righteousness, doing what is right. Let me read a passage of Scripture for you. It's one you probably know well, but I want to read it for you. It's in 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Come out from who? From the clubs? From the video games? From the football? From all the entertainment of the world? From the lying, the cheating, the carousing, the ungodly sexual lust? Come out. Come out from them. Come out from among the worldly. Be separate from them. In other words, live a totally different life. Confess your cynicism and repent of it. Turn from it. Confess your self-concern and repent of it. It is idolatry. Confess every known sin. Forgive. Let go of the anger and the bitterness. And don't hold people hostage with your anger and bitterness, but forgive them. And the peace of God will begin to enter your heart. He says, touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. In other words, as we confess before Almighty God the wickedness of our heart, as we repent of that, as we begin to make new choices, the promise is God will receive us. And he will be, it says, I will be a father to you And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, here's the problem some of you are totally unaware of what much of your sin is. Revelation 3 says we're blind and naked and miserable and don't even know it. How is that possible to not know it? Well, it's possible to not know our spiritual condition and the misery of our hearts if we constantly stuff our hearts with everything of the world. We lose ourselves in our jobs. We stuff ourselves with the entertainment of the age. Our conversation is about the NASCAR or the basketball or the football or the golfing or the tennis. I know one woman who During the big playoffs in tennis, doesn't cook for her family. All she does all day is watch the television because she loves the tennis games. So those are her gods. They absorb her, and she neglects her family. But the family understands, so they put up with it, and they take care of themselves until she's out of the tennis and back as the wife and mother of the house. totally unaware of the great sin she's committing, of the wickedness of her heart. How do we repent if we don't even allow ourselves to feel the pain of our sin, where our conscience is so seared by the world by the novels and the television and the internet and and Facebook many of you spend more time on Facebook than you spend reading the scriptures because when you read the scriptures you go to sleep your mind is seared so you can't even read the word do you understand this is a desperate condition we're laid back, we're happy, we're on our way to heaven. we think everything is cool. I'm okay, you're okay, no, we're none none of us are okay. I've told you this morning this afternoon i'm I'm still having a hard time praying through on all the issues that I need to pray through on. why? Because I've let things accumulate and haven't prayed through one by one as these things have come to me. Many reasons why, but none legitimate. And that's why I'm going to have to catch up in the prayer closet. There's too much crisis. There's there's things that are going to happen that will be devastating in my life and your life if someone is not praying, crying aloud to God, When you get together with a group of Christians, don't sit with the devil's hand over your mouth. Open your mouth and cry aloud to the Lord. Be unashamed. Be be verbal, be vocal. Pour out your heart before Almighty God and let your brothers and sisters see you and hear you and know that you're pouring your heart out to God. No, instead we're so staid and so proper. With our attitudes attitudes I used to hate it when my dad would say to me Raymond you have a bad attitude well you know what the church in America has a bad attitude and many of you have a bad attitude because you are not able to open your mouth and just flow in praise and prayer and worship and intercession with Almighty God. Why? Because you haven't been doing it in the private closet. Your prayers are perfunctory, cold, without passion. When was the last time you spent a night praying? When was the last time you just openly wept before the Lord over the spiritual condition of your heart or over the spiritual condition of a friend's heart? When was the last time you just lay on the floor and wept like a baby before the Lord because of all the crisis in your life? No, we say, well, it'll all work out. No, it won't all work out. America's not working out. We're crashing. We're on a course of disaster. There has to be a, an awakening, a change, a dramatic change. In Jeremiah, the fifth chapter, I'll begin reading with verse 3. O Lord, do not your eyes look for truth. You struck them, but they felt no pain. You crushed them, but they refused correction. America has been struck in the farmland. We've been struck with floods. We've been struck with, with dry weather, where the crops withered up in the fields we're going to be struck with pestilence. Already we are being struck with pestilence, with viruses, with diseases. But we seem to feel no pain. We'll get through it. The best times yet are coming. No, they're not. Destruction is coming on America because we've not repented felt no pain. You crushed them, but they refused correction. They made their faces harder than stone and refused to repent. I thought, these are only the poor. They are foolish. For they don't know the way of the Lord, the requirements of their God. So, Jeremiah says, I will go to the leaders and speak to them. Surely they know the way of the Lord, the requirements of their God. But with one accord, they too had broken off the yoke and torn off the bonds. In other words, they didn't know the way of the Lord and they were not interested in the way of the Lord. This has to change. Jeremiah Chapter six verse thirteen How do I how do I read this to you? From the least to the greatest they are greedy for gain prophets, priests. Like all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They don't even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen and they'll be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. The wound of God's people is extremely serious today. Hear me. The wound, your wound, is very serious today. We have lived in America where we are all involved in self-help. We walk in the flesh and not the spirit. We must learn how to pray. And we've become very religious, attending church regularly, paying tithe even, preaching even but not born from above, not changed, not transformed. We have lied to ourselves that sanctification takes forever. It's the work of a lifetime, we've said. And so I'll work on my sin, I'll work on my imperfections, I'll work on those, and it'll take me a whole lifetime, but I will never be righteous, the word is. I will always sin, that's the modern word. And then someday when I die, Jesus will make me righteous. So death then becomes my Savior, not Jesus. That's not what the word of the Lord says. I'll read it for you. Let me turn to it. It's in the book of 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. For Christ's love, verse 14, compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all those who should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. See what I mean about not living with self-interest but living for Jesus' interest. I've been crying out over this and I've been confessing all self-interest. And I've been renouncing it in the name of Jesus. And I've asked Jesus to give me only interest in him and his kingdom and his people's welfare. And he's doing that. This is an absolute must that we learn how, by the Spirit, that we are transformed by the Spirit to renounce all self-interest and have interest only in Jesus and his kingdom and the welfare of others. He goes on. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. What is the worldly point of view? What can I get? What can I reap out of this for myself? How can I make my life happier? How can I be more prosperous? How can I get ahead in the world? Not for the Christian. We no longer regard Christ in this way. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone The new has come. The old has gone and the new has come. That's what I'm pleading for today in your life. I'm pleading for the old to go by the confession of all known sin, repenting of that sin, that is to turn from it and turn to Jesus and ask him to send the Holy Spirit to indwell you, to transform you, that you can choose to walk in righteousness before a holy and mighty God. I want to share again today step by step. This is for you intellectuals. The first step the first step is to confess every known sin. The second step is with sorrow, with tears, to repent of all of the sin you know of in your heart. And as you repent of that known sin in your heart, and you begin to do what it describes here in 2 Corinthians, come out from them and be separate, touching no unclean thing, not touching the television, not touching the world's entertainment, not touching bitterness or anger, renouncing it, turning from it. As you do that, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And you are born again. You are made new. And the old has gone and the new has come. And you are then, what Wesley called, entirely sanctified, made pure, made holy. And then comes the next step, eternal life. There is no eternal life for you if you don't go through these steps that I've shared. And they're found everywhere in the New Testament. This is the step-by-step-by-step way of knowing the way of the Lord. You want to know the way of the Lord? Then walk righteous. Repent. Turn from your evil ways. One dear man, came to me at church and he said, Pastor, I'm smoking and I know I shouldn't be. Would you pray with me? Absolutely. I prayed with him. Next Sunday he came back. I said, are you still smoking? Yes, Pastor, I'm still smoking. I said, do you understand why you're still smoking? No. I said, you're still smoking because you love your wickedness you love smoking would you pray with me would you renounce that cigarette and tell the Lord how much you love it and ask him to take that from you this week and next week you will not be smoking he came back the next week after praying that prayer and I said are you still smoking they made me sick good thank you Sometime after that, he said, Pastor, sexual sin has come into my life. And I love it. I said, are you willing to pray that Jesus will take that lust for sexual sin out of your heart? He said, no. He said, Pastor, we're moving to Fredericksburg and I'll find a new pastor there. I said, okay. They moved to Fredericksburg. And a short time later, I was told that he had been arrested by the FBI on child pornography charges and was sent to prison. All of that, he could have been spared if he'd just been willing to repent. But he knew that if he prayed and asked the Lord to take away the lust of his heart, the Lord would do it. And he loved his sin. I have wept over that man. It broke my heart. Are you ready to get right with God? Are you ready to repent for the lack of prayer? For the lack of passion before the Lord? Are you ready to repent of your cynicism and your anger and your bitterness? Are you willing to Jesus with all your heart and sell out to be his disciple to be his follower to let him give you a new birth are you willing to give up your religion for Jesus are you willing to give up your rituals for Jesus Jeremiah sixth chapter Verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. I pointed watchmen over you and said, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, We will not listen. Therefore, hear, O nation. Observe, O witness, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth. I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. I'm asking you today, Will you come and stand at the crossroads of your life? Will you recognize because you've heard this message, you have been brought to a crossroad? I am nobody. I am a humble watchman on the wall, warning you about what is coming in the utter destruction of America, the destruction of the church in America. Because we have sinned against the Lord. We have been worldly. We've brought every kind of wickedness into the church in terms of entertainment and concerts and plays and every. It just grieves my heart. We've not had passion for Jesus. Everything has just been humdrum, going along, exciting new possibilities with prosperity. Are you kidding me? Jesus would come with a whip and drive the money changers out of the church stand at the crossroads now and ask the Holy Spirit for the ancient path of righteousness ask him to show you exactly what he wants you to do today now ask him what the cry of his heart for you is. Ask where the good way is and then begin to walk in it and you will find rest for your soul. Don't rebel as the children of Israel did and say we will not walk in it. So Babylon swept in and destroyed their nation. If we don't repent, the atomic bombs will drop in America. America. And America will be destroyed and millions of people will die. I'm crying aloud for you. That you would begin to honestly repent before the Lord for your sin. Today is the day to get right before God. Today is the day to recognize your true spiritual condition. Turn off all of the world and you will begin to feel the pain of your soul. Don't satisfy yourself with the cheap and the tawdry. Seek the face of Jesus and you will find rest for your soul and healing for your heart. Almighty God, I bring these precious brothers and sisters before you today. All of us have been shallow. None of us has prayed with the intensity that is necessary given the hour in which we live. I pray you will call us into the prayer closets that you will cause us to turn aside from everything of this world and the wickedness of this world and seek your face. Lord, we're at the crossroad. America is at the crossroad, and we must look for and ask for the ancient path of righteousness. I pray, Almighty God, today for your people. I pray for us. I pray for the National Prayer Chapel. I pray for this radio broadcast. I pray for the the sick, for Brother Ed. Lord, I pray for your people. There are many today in desperate conditions, physically, financially, emotionally. Lord, would you send forth your healing? Would you cause us to ask for the ancient paths of righteousness? I thank you, my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I praise your name. I love you, Jesus. You are everything to me. You are my Lord and my Savior. You are the lover of my soul. I worship you, Jesus. Thank you. I pray in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. If you know that this broadcast needs to go out over the air in Washington, D.C., will you sacrifice to help keep it here? Will you sacrifice to help us go to the FM dial? It will cost probably $50,000 to make that transition, and I have nothing. If you'd like to write to me, I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go on our webpage and go to com. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I love you, my brother my sister. I'm praying for you. I'm weeping before the Lord for you. Seek the ancient path today. I'll talk to you soon.